0: arahato had to somewhere sammbo mor tasa hakawa to Ara had ye soda want sadhang This next week is a retreat. and this of uh, course, is, is a special gift, the opportunity to uh, have kind of a, uh, very good conditions for formal what we call formal practice meditation. And of course, uh, this is a chance to develop, to uh, keep the what we call the noble silence. Uh, A chance to refrain from unnecessary uh, conversations, chit chat, uh, so forth. Just to keep your attention inward. So it's kind of an excuse not to, to have to engage with others uh, because we're all uh, supporting this this uh, practice. And being able to speak and chit chat and talk, of course, is it draws us out into uh, you know all kinds of conditions uh, that we can easily um, become obsessed with or upset by or whatever. So, uh, developing this uh, sense of a noble silence is is not like a dumb silence, it's to refuse to speak at all, um, just out of some rigid view of not talking and and uh, seeing noble silence as a a determination not to speak in in some kind of idealistic way. uh, We're developing wisdom rather than just trying to live up to ideals, Uh, so we, we have to use our own judgment when it's appropriate to speak and when it's not. So noble silence is, is uh, something that is is generous and welcoming, rather than a kind of rigid adherence to to the idea of not talking at all. And then and then uh, you see others talking, you can feel very angry or upset um, because you see somebody else talking, and and then you think they're breaking the noble silence, and then you. are caught in uh, aversion, resentment uh, towards somebody else. So this is, uh, but the important thing that for this retreat is a, a developing a, an opportunity to, to cultivate awareness. And so if one is upset by somebody else what somebody else does or says, then, then the encouragement is to look at, at the experience of being upset rather than to uh, carry that around and, and uh, fulminate inwardly with anger and resentment. And if Because the, the important thing is the awareness rather than in rigid adherence to uh, a kind of Discipline and ideals that we might have about what a good meditation retreat should
1: be—it's
0: it's learning how to use convention without being attached to it. Like bhagna or wisdom is is learning how to flow to move, to respond to the experience of consciousness. Uh, So it's not, it's kind of uh, rigidly adhering to ideas and uh, then being very distressed when you can't support a particular uh, ideal or you feel that others aren't living up to your expectations. When you're living in community, we affect each other a lot. So we... we um, We have to, uh, we have ideas about what we should be. And then we, when we don't live up to these ideals, then we get upset. So in the first noble truth, the the dukkha is, uh, there is this dukkha. So being upset because somebody doesn't live up to your ideals, what is that? And so you begin to to investigate. Why am I upset because somebody else? Because of somebody else. And you, then you can kind of begin to see, notice the the uh, view you have about the ideals you have about what um, monks or nuns should be. And which are ideals, you know. You can you have the ideal forms. They're they're valid. They're inspiring. Uh, they're beautiful. But they are just ideas. In other words, they're not living, breathing human beings. Ideals. None of us are ideals. And that's uh, a... Uh, keep. Um, uh, emphasizing this because uh in the spiritual life, in the religious world it's always it's, it, people get so are looking for the ideal teacher or the ideal situation, the monastery the the ideal form, the master or the 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 pure hearted one or the the great one. And so these, and we're always being disappointed because uh, the the idols easily fall off of pedestals, you know. Then they crash and they break. But notice that awareness, mindfulness, is not is not an ideal state, isn't it? We're not saying you have to you have to think a certain way and feel a certain way and 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 only you know be at your very best all the time according to how things should be if everything was perfect but we're we're noticing the way it is the suchness the as-isness of of this moment and so this moment right now is not an ideal is it? it is what it is maybe an ideal moment you can imagine an ideal moment is where you're really blissed out you know and free from all suffering you can imagine an ideal moment uh, in which the the very best that, that you can think is is uh, happening to you but right now, is anybody in that state with perfect bliss and, and happiness as, as you imagine you'd like to be, as an idea? Or is it the way it is? What, how, how are you right now? What is, what is it now, the way it is now? Now then this is turning our attention to, just looking here. What's going on in here? Or physically, the experience of just having a physical body, conscious physical body that's sensitive right now is like this. So you have these words like as is and and Pali, da-da-da, they have a special word for as is the suchness da ta da, da, and this in in English it comes out suchness, which is never really made much sense to me, but now i understand what it is through da 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 then and uh, then as isness that's a bit strange isn't it? as isness. But we're, we're we're pointing to a an intuitive attention rather than a a logical definition. So, so the pointing is is this awakened sense of awake up, pay attention, and then you, then the way it is is like this. So, the way it is right now is the body's like this. So it brings uh, attention just to the the fact that the, the body here, that this physical body that you you refer to as Ajahn sameto, it's like this, and it, you know, the, sitting in the this high seat and that pressure of sitting, and seems all right, no great problems, but I'm, I'm aware of. Uh, there's an awareness of, of the experience of sitting. And then of the breath. The breath is like this. Or the, the, the mood, emotional state I'm in now is like this. I refer to the sound of silence. The sound of silence is here and now. It's this way. And so this, what I'm doing is, is reflecting, kind of awakening, just observing the experience that I'm having at this moment. It's like this. I'm not blissed out. I'm not kind of, uh, in, in any extreme state. It's not being extreme, not being, uh, high as a kite or being depressed in the pits of hell but just sitting, breathing sounds like this. So there's an attention, uh, a sustainable attention that we begin to to appreciate as the way of non-suffering. Again, to, to recognize that this, that to realize this, it's so ordinary that we don't recognize it usually we don't appreciate it because it, uh, it, it we're conditioned for extremities just think about yourself how you're emotionally conditioned through your culture and that when you when you think about yourself as a personality you you think in terms of extremities of being uh, you know good or bad or Beautiful or ugly, or pleasing or displeasing, or right or wrong. You want we want we want interesting things to do. Just sitting here with the sound of silence is not interesting. Want I'd like to have kind of an angelic chorus come in. Hallelujah chorus, <laughs> kind of with, with angels and Davidars and all that. It'd be fantastic. Light show of of bliss that would be fantastic, wouldn't it, to be able to sit through this retreat being entertained the whole time with the extraordinary beauty and extremities of of sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, and thought as one one thing right after another for a whole week. Wonder what that would be like. <laughs> Or the the fear that the whole week is just going to be pits of hell, you know, just depression, despair, um, not getting anywhere, can't do it, uh, too screwed up anyway, (laughs) hopeless, uh, the rest are okay, but I'm no good, and and you could you could create a whole week of being utterly miserable for yourself. That's that's the other extreme. But they, in terms of of uh, of this moment, it's neither heaven nor hell. But I mean, it is the way it is. So in this word "ordinary," the Lung Po Cha was always using when he was talking about the Dhamma. He was he would use it in Thai, it's called Tamada. And it, it means just ordinary. You know, it's nothing special, not, not the best, not the worst. It's like this, just ordinariness. Because ordinariness, we usually don't bother with it. It's too, we think it's mediocre or it's not important. That, that fulfillment and, and happiness lie in attaining extremes like great success and great peace. And we even put Nibbana and arahantship on an extremity of, of high attainment. So we, we think of
1: an arahant
0: as, as a really extreme kind of uh, attainment that somebody has got through through some kind of extreme practice. So we, we think of an arahant as, as an extreme where when you contemplate, arahant is totally ordinary. I'm just reflecting for you right now. <laughs> Looking at it a different way. You know, we think of an arahant oftentimes as having psychic powers and being able to do fantastic things and read people's minds and and float in the air, and walk on the water, and and do all kinds of feats, you know. And and so these are extremities, extremes, a psychic phenomena, a magic and fantasy. Or when you when you contemplate an arahant in terms of the ten fetters, the ten sanyojana, you realize that it's completely ordinary, tamada. This here and now, not having to be anybody or become or attain or achieve or get rid of anything. Or so, in this way, it's not like an attainment at all. Is it's not like that. It's like the the, a Ph.D. in meditation practice, that's an attainment, isn't it? To, to get a Ph.D. is an attainment. It's not Tamada, it's not ordinary to have a Ph.D. <laughs> they have to work hard for it and, and, and do all kinds of things to, to get through the system to get the, the Ph.D., Or in terms of of practice, Buddha Dhamma, it's it's through non-attainment, mm-hmm. not through through becoming the best monk and the best nun and and uh, being able to do everything perfectly and and uh, having only pure thoughts all the time and and just being you know full of love and joy and radiance as some ideal. It's being able to open and and be open and with the flow of experience as it is, which much of our life is just ordinary. Sitting, standing, walking, lying down, breathing, sound of silence, oh, moods, emotional moods, just blah, nothing much going on. How do you feel? Okay. <laughs> so then we can think, well, it sounds pretty dreary, you know, because those other things are more inspiring. To be kind of blissed out, flying in the air, reading people's minds, and and being able to go up into the heavenly realms and Consort with the Devadas and the Brahmalokas and, and those are feet, you know, that's not Tamada, that's, that's fantastic. And that's interesting too. Like in Thailand, they're more interested in ghosts than in enlightenment. I mean, about ghosts and, and, and spirits, and so these are more interesting than the breath inhaling. <laughs> I guess ghosts are interesting, because they're extremities, and, and devadas, and, and all these, these are, these are very interesting. And I'm doing this as a reflection, I'm not trying to convert you to my way of thinking, I'm just taking, using this time to to reflect on, on what practice is or what it really this is, and I'm just sharing what I what I am experiencing right now with you we notice that so much of our life is not extreme You know, it's just walking from here to there or putting on the robes taking off the robes Sitting, standing, walking, lying down, uh, just brushing teeth, shaving, and bathing, and and uh, ordinariness of daily life, eating food, washing the alms bowl, uh, drying it, um, cleaning the the room, and whatnot, just ordinary. Mundane, banal activities that uh, that we can seek are not at all part of, of real meditation. Uh, we think of meditation as uh, sitting for you know really sitting and getting your samadhi, and really uh, developing uh, the samadhi, and and being able to to walk uh, and and Really mindfully, in a formal way, for an hour, without your mind wandering once, just uh, totally concentrated on your feet, right, left, poo toe, onward for a whole hour and and really getting to I had really good walking practice last hour, just super duper, and your mind didn't stray one bit, and then we then we we think that that's where it's at and then and then some monk comes along and says uh, uh somebody wants to speak to you on a telephone. God let's get rid of all telephones. If I were king of the world, I'd destroy all the telephones, all the computers, all the cameras, all the televisions. We just have a really you know really good monastery where there is none of this this stuff going on." And we'd uh, we just get down to the real practice, sitting, one hour, walking, one hour, sitting, the next, walking, sitting, walking, sitting. Till the end of our lives. <laughs> that's the ideal, maybe. And we won't allow this, 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 stressed out society we live in to come and touch us. We'll lock the gates. We'll, 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 we'll have to be very careful who we let in this place. Not to let any screwballs inside, you know, any des- destructive, disturbing, distressing people in. Only if they're bona fide soda pundits. <laughs> and then we're going to get every life down to where it's not, you know, we can just really practice really get our practice together and that's what I want a place where I can really get my practice together so then that's an ideal again, isn't it? getting one's practice together so being aware of that is some kind of idea we have about what practice is really good practice serious practice is you know formal an ordinary life walking from here back to your kuti or whatever that's not practice putting on your robe or that uh, eating uh, or answering the telephone or having to deal with uh, uh, somebody uh a guest that come in the monastery well, that's not practice that's just getting in the way of my practice or isn't it part of the flow of, of experience isn't isn't the, isn't the, uh, we're consciousness consciousness is is this experience of of a flowing things flow through our consciousness and, and we, you know, if we try to control that, then we're, we're, we're caught up in, 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 in the sense of our own views and opinions and, and how things should be. Maybe very, you know, attached to very, uh, good ideas, ideals, but we're not, we'll never be liberated through that because life will always, uh, if, when we lose control, we, we have no way of dealing with losing control when uh, unwanted, unexpected things happen when uh, things don't go right, when it's a, a bad day when the neighbors make too much noise Or is that part of the flow of our experience? And so, in this intuitive way, recognize it that, that I like to describe intuitive awareness or sati sampatanya as, as that includes everything, that so includes the extremities. I'm not trying to get rid of extremity and just, just uh, you know, think mediocrity and ordinariness is is we've got to, we've just gotta make ourselves ordinary. I've gotta make myself an ordinary monk, not a special monk. So then you know like being Ajahn that that's being special, isn't it? Nobody else is Ajahn Sumato. And 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 ha- and being uh, abbot, being teacher. All these are special uh, kind of titles and and um, positions special positions and then I can see I don't care about titles or positions or I don't want to be abbot I don't want to be a teacher I just want to be an ordinary bhikkhu and then I can make even the, the idea of being an ordinary bhikkhu into an ideal again so then it, it, you know, on that level, you just go around in circles. You know, I don't want to be an abbot. I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to be an important monk. I don't want to be special. I just want to be an ordinary bloke, ordinary guy, just an ordinary monk, just a nobody. And then we can hold on to that as an ideal. And then it becomes an extreme again. Being ordinary can become extreme because we we're we're making it into an ideal rather than than trusting in the awareness and and recognizing the way things really are. So in the, the uh, like the the Buddha is the knower of the world, of the worlds. So we, are, we are having a good Dharma discussion this, this evening at tea, and the bhikkhus and talking about the pure subject. So we were... Um, this is interesting because, you know, in terms of experience right now, there's a subject, there's a subjective experience going on in terms of here, and yet um, we have this idea of oneness or no no or anatta or no self. We can hold the idea there's no self as an idea. The the Buddha said, anatta, there's no self. And then we we grasp the idea of no self. If we're a Buddhist, then we've got to believe in anatta, no self. But then what is it that is aware right now in terms of uh, the experience of this moment? And so asking this question, Is that a self? So then, in, and, but you can't get behind it, isn't it? With this, the awakened state, awareness, is, is you can't be aware of being aware. You can only be aware. And this is where you're putting this, you know, when you, you take it to this, this, this uh, center point, this point of pure awareness, That you can't get beyond, you can't, you can't watch it, you can't find out who is it that's aware, but there's awareness. It's like seeing, you know, I can see, but my eyes can't see themselves. And I can't see my own eyes at this point, you know, I I can, there's seeing, but I can't see my eyes. And you can see my eyes, but I can't what's that about? You know, but it's not point. If he doesn't, who cares about? There's no point in seeing one's own eyes, is there? As long as they see, that's good enough. <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> that's all that's necessary to find out who I am. Am I the ultimate reality, or am I, uh, uh, you know, wanting to find a name for awareness? In terms of some, some concept that I can say my true nature is, or letting go of trying to conceive myself, or that, that desire to, to know something, into the pure state of attention, which, which is prior to thought or concept. So this pure awareness, and the word sati sampatanya intuitive awareness, is, is, uh, is is what we mean by the puto or the Buddha. So this, this is, this is just the the way that Theravadins speak. And, uh, and, and these are concepts too. Buddha and Bhutto, and that is just another, just another word. True. Not trying to, 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 uh, say it's a, that that's what we are. I'm the Buddha. Uh, because then it, then it, then I'm grasping the idea of Buddha again. Isn't it? I'm grasping a, a view about Buddha. And then I'm thinking, and then trying to apply it to myself. Or is the, when we use this sense of refuge, Bhutang Saranangachami, the refuge, the Saranang, is uh, to me this sense of awakened awareness, which is an imminent act, it's an immediate attentiveness to the present. So, it's, it's very natural, ordinary, ability we have but can be completely not appreciated because we we're, we're usually caught up with trying to when we are paying attention we're trying to we we aren't aware of of that we we're all usually thinking about something else or trying to to figure out something you know what is he talking about what uh, what should i how should i practice meditation What technique should I use to practice meditation with? Uh, Should I get the samadhi? Should I do samatha first and then vipassana? These are the old, dreary questions you get in the terrible (laughs) world. Uh, How much samadhi do you need before you can do vipassana and... and, uh, you know if if, I've, if I have a lot of psychological problems that you think I need to to do therapy first before I can do Vipassana and and on and on like this, so then these are uh, you know these are coming from from the wanting to know who I am and what what I should be doing, where what I'm pointing to is being aware of this. Of how we create ourselves. What should I, how should I practice? Should I do samatha first or should I just do pure vipassana? These are thoughts, aren't they? These are, and, and the pure subject, then we we trust in this awareness, we're aware of that, of that is a, is a doubt, is a question, as wanting to know, wanting to, to know what should I do next. so this is this is you know the the confusion we find in this in this in the meditation circles that i tend to get involved with because people are always there's so much effort and and so many views and opinions about what how you should practice what technique is the best or you know should i do mahayana practice or is Theravada good enough, or Vajrayana, or Dzogchen, or Zen, or on and on like this? Ajahn Sumedho's method, or, <laughs> I mean, I'm getting stuck with having people say, I do Ajahn Sumedho's method, which don't really consider it a method. It's, it's like the, the attention, the, the invitation to awaken very simple and then the thinking about what, to, well, what, what do I do next after I wait what do I do <laughs> so, because we, we feel frustrated we? we feel ill at ease unless we've got some, something to do you know, I've got to do something uh this week. Uh, I want to, you know, feel I'm getting somewhere. So this is another you know, thing we're creating. I've, I feel very ill at ease unless I've I've got certain directions and I know what to do next, and and then I I feel better. You know, if you tell me what to do and then I'll do that, and uh, that makes me. And we can be aware of, of these these kind of of uh, feelings we have, the, the the insecurity we feel when we don't know what to do next, and wanting uh, to have some kind of certitude in our practice, uh, a, a plan, a recipe, uh, an outline that we follow. Not that any of these things are wrong, like methods or or plans, anything, but just getting to the very get. To start out from the pure present is, is what I'm encouraging, rather than starting out with the grasping of views about practice. And and even, and, and operating from the views about yourself is reality. So in this, uh, Sati Sampachanya, it, it is a very simple attention, a listening, an openness, a receptivity. And, and I use this word welcoming, all that is happening right now, whether you like it or not, whether it's pleasant or horrible, it all belongs. So that's a reflection. Uh, when, when we get into ideals of practice, then, then we get into very kind of controlling and divisive tendencies. You know, don't slam the door. Uh, don't do this. Don't, don't, uh, upset me. You're speaking too loudly. Um, everything, planes are going overhead. <laughs> And, and on and on, we we get into uh, feeling frustrated because uh, we have very strict ideas about what we want, and, and then when the world doesn't cooperate, we feel frustrated by that. And this is where the the Four Noble Truths help in this uh, dukkha, rather than than uh, trying to create the perfect environment perfect situation where uh, we don't we've got a soundproof temple completely soundproof even though the planes are overhead it's not really that soundproof though but uh, they are on a flight path from Luton Airport and uh, we should have maybe sell the monastery and go to another place where That isn't on the flight path of any airport, because in order to get the perfect place, and then we we have to spend all the next time trying to look for a place where the perfect place where there's no flight paths, (laughs) and on and on like this. There's always something you know in the way. So intuitive awareness includes. The sound of the airplanes, the, the good, the bad, the stillness, the peace, the chaos. And that implies both external and internal. Being able to, to totally welcome and accept your own uh, confusion or frustration or anger, resentment, fear... Uh, confusion and, and messiness and stupidity and all these these mental states that we we really don't want. We'd like to get rid of it when we go back to into being a, a personality that that holds to ideas. So in recognizing that this Buddha as the pure subject, utto it's it's a transcending of the conditions now this you don't have to believe but this is for contemplation they talk about the unconditioned and the conditioned and so the the unconditioned or the they call the amata dhamma or the deathless That can only be now, isn't it? And so to to tune in to the deathless is to pay attention, isn't it? It's simple, imminent attentiveness. So trust that. Trust in, in that very simple ability. It's trustworthy. That's why it's a refuge in the Bhutan Theravada its a refuge. It's it's the place as you begin to realize and appreciate it more. It's a, it, it 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 is the refuge, and no matter what's happening to you in terms of conditions uh, internally or externally, because it allows you to be aware of of your emotional states, of your fears and desires. I mean, it includes your habits, your good habits and bad habits and and uh, anger and greed and lust and fear and jealousy and worry and all the rest. It all belongs, all includes, because the relationship to it is the Buddha knowing the Dhamma. Buddha sees the truth of the way it is. So this is just an encouragement to, rather than the striving style of trying to get samadhi and and uh, through controlling everything, what I feel is what works for me. What I find uh, has benefited my practice, conventional my practice, of course, is uh, is uh, is not is not striving to to control or attain or get rid of, but trusting in the in the presence, uh, the pure presence of being. And and that doesn't mean, other than paying attention, awaken, awaking, that awakened attention now, attentiveness to whatever is you're experiencing. Now, on on every level, from physical, external to internal, emotional, sense, impression, whatever, Good or bad, coarse or refined. So, like intuition is, is ability to, it, it, an intuitive moment includes. So, in, intuitive intelligence is, is, is it, it's not divisive. When you start thinking, uh, when you get caught in thinking and and then you you start dividing everything up there's right and wrong, good and bad, what should be and what shouldn't be. That's the way thought works, isn't it when you When you identify with thinking and try to think yourself into enlightenment, you will never make it because it, it does it's the impossible task to to think yourself into enlightenment. You can delude yourself by convincing yourself you're enlightened, but it, you can't. But that's uh, that's not it, mm-hmm. because thinking itself is is a function that it, that appears in consciousness. It's functional, and and so it, and it's limited. You can't trust. You know, thinking is a very limited function of the mind, where intuition is is profound. You know, it's it's deep, it's profound. So it, it, it's not, when you try to understand everything through thought, you remain on the surface. You distort reality all the time. You're out of touch because you're, you're going, you're filtering experience always through ideas and concepts and words and so forth. So you, you, you know, you, you're not in, you're not with the flow of experience as is. So you, you're always you know you're kind of shuffling the the deck all the time, or rearranging the furniture, or or you know just trying to to make things better. If you can 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 control everything to make everything better, so you feel safer and happier. Or in an intuitive awareness, it includes so the. The worm in the apple, snake in the garden, fly anywhere, (laughs) or the airplanes on the flight path from Luton, they belong, or the, the lawnmower, or the whatever. So this is reflecting in order to to encourage an attitude um, that I found beneficial. This is what I can share from my own experience. In the terms that that uh, control, I found you know, I used to be a real really into you know, a control freak, as they say, when I first started meditation. You know, I really was wanted to control everything, so because I I realized that if I you know I get so upset by things when I felt out of control, and uh, you know I long to to just be in a situation where where you know I could just kind of hide away and and just be alone and not not be bothered with the world and so there's a strong kind of longing to disappear in and to to uh, in a place where i couldn't have to be responsible for anything i could just just and and where i would be taken care of you know like in thailand you go to some monasteries and you do this khao hong practice you go into a kuti and then they bring you food. You don't have to go out on alms round and you can, uh, just meditate and, and you don't, you don't know, talk. Everybody's keeping a noble silence and you, you just live your life sitting one hour, walking one hour, <laughs> sitting one hour. That's what you're supposed to be doing anyway. <laughs> and then, and this is, uh, this was, this was, uh, certainly I like doing this but in terms of being able to live my whole life like that, I've never been able to make that possible and uh, Ajahn Chah was <laughs> always kind of uh, he wasn't encouraging me in that direction uh, it was much more towards awareness in the flow of life in the, mon- in the monastic form that we use in the Dhammavinya, using that to to be aware of what's going on, and to have this sense of opening to it and and recognizing it and and knowing rather than than just getting caught up with preferences and with with ideals and and uh, wanting to control things, and fearing and really resenting anything that threatened my practice or my tranquility. Or why? You should think Ajahn Chah was the big obstruction to my own tranquility. Because <laughs> he wouldn't let me do what I wanted. <laughs> But this retreat, recognize that it's, it is, uh, it, we, we're making that, you know, have putting these kind of conditions, setting these conditions for this retreat. Uh, and so it's, uh, you know, just do, do that, follow along with it. Uh, and then observe what happens. And trust, you know, this, this sense of witness, or pure subject, or puto, this, this knowing. that's like this right now. This, this is the, the feeling of the present. This is the where the body is, the breath. And in this, in this open to the present, then it includes so then one can uh, then can move within this spaciousness so what what should I do next should I start with the breath first and then do the body sweeping or with the sound of silence or should I start with the sound of silence or and then go to the breath and develop Anapanasati and then do the, the sweeping through the feelings or should I just do pure awareness you know and so then you then you you get caught in, what should I do next, and 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 uh, and then, well, I think for you you should do unapana first. Oh, thank you. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. somebody told me what to do, and, and I don't trust myself, and uh, and this wanting to be told what to do, I don't want to. You know, I don't even notice that. I mean. And you're the teacher, Ajahn Sumato, and you're, you're, you've been at it for years. You're the meditation master. You tell me, because I don't know. I'm just a neophyte, just a, a new person, not an expert like you are. What's that coming from? Where's that? You know, and so you, you begin by opening to that, to just recognizing how you conceive yourself as being uh, uh, ignorant and don't know what to do and and project onto me the sense of he's the master and he knows what's good for me. These are creations of your mind. Aren't they? So being aware of this is very direct, isn't it? Very very direct noting it's like this. Wanting to know what to do next is like this feeling confused about what should i do is like this just being with the way it is and trusting yourself at this moment to to just know right now i'm totally confused i have no clue what to do like this then there's this this uh, point that includes everything, the present moment that includes. Once you you appreciate that, then you you can just trust yourself. There's always the body is here, isn't it? What's here and now? The physical body, it's always here and now. As long as it's alive, in my experience of life, it's always, the body's always here. And then... uh, And then uh, the breath, there's always, there's always something happening there. Inhale, exhale, it's the way it is. (laughs) And then, then there's awareness of, of sensation, you know, there's a tension or or itching or pressure or, or even neutral sensation. Just being aware of your body and the experience of sitting before the the uh, physical sensations become extreme. I mean, so this attitude of of learning to pay attention, the present moment is is the the body is now, the breath is now, the sound of silence is now, the mood you're in is now, isn't it? Whatever mood moods are, you know, very fluctuating and changeable, but whatever it is right now, this is, it's now. I mean, being aware of of the state of mind or the physical presence or the breath or the silence. So when when you're doing this, then you you are putting yourself in that pure subjective, pure subjectivity or the butto, and trust that. You know, I, I keep keep reiterating this sense so because it's something you can trust. The more you, you you recognize it and appreciate it, but it is so ordinary that it's it's easily overlooked because uh, we're conditioned to look for something more than that. To have you know, an attainment of some sort, to get the samadhi before we do the vipassana, and get this before we do that. And, and, and uh, we're very conditioned to, to, to think and, and experience life through, uh, through our thoughts and our conditioned perceptions of life. So it is, a, it is an act of faith, sadha, or trust, and a confidence as we as we begin to explore it and recognize and and work from this pure presence awakened awareness. So this this evening uh, we we uh, we can uh, use, usually to our midnight a bit, uh, and then uh, tomorrow uh, we'll, we'll start uh, the formal retreat at 8.30. But, noble silence, please. <laughs> uh, just to encourage this, this a uh, sense of not distracting each other with uh, the uh, conversations and then we can all support each other also in this and, you know we we by not speaking to each other unless it's urgent then it's supporting However, I'm immune to all this. <laughs> I'm the exception to the rule. I don't have to keep silent. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh even though I would like to but uh, the uh, uh on Sunday after, I'm going to a uh, celebration up in Birmingham and the the Thai temple there, other so few things. Uh, but don't let this upset you or distress you. Uh, just recognize it's just the way it is. When you, when you Ajahn tomato, this is the way it is. <laughs> so I offer this as a reflection.